0: As we uh, prepare to go to God's Word this morning, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, The first is we are in in the second of our uh, 2021 challenges. We're in the second of those right now, started February 1st. I hope you're participating in that. You can go to our website and learn more about it. Uh, 21 Ways and 21 Days to Pray, and there's a sheet on the back table for those of you in-house Pick that up on your way out. The idea is that we are, uh, as part of our quiet time, as part of our prayer time, we are reading the same scripture, praying the same things in those prayer times. And you could use it at lunch, at work, you could put it in your Bible, use it in the evening, uh, sometime during that day uh, to join all of us that are participating in this challenge in prayer. Uh, The next thing that I'm going to uh, have ready for you Uh, or 21 chapters of the Bible we're going to read in 2021 together. Uh, That's coming forth, so keep that in mind. Go to our website and learn more about those challenges. Sign up for one, sign up for all of them. Just check them out and decide on your own whether you're going to participate or not. But I hope you will. Also remember that at noon on Wednesday, March 10, I'll be starting a new Bible study right here in the worship center, uh, a Wednesday reset, a midweek reset Bible study. You can participate in person uh, or online. It will be live streamed uh, and you can bring your lunch if you like. Be aware tables will not be set up but we'll be right up here up front so I can live stream as well and on March 10 we'll be starting a study of the book of 1 Corinthians focusing in on uh, the church and some of the most basic things about being a believer that Paul teaches in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, these Bible studies, uh, I'm going to try to limit, keep us at about 30 to 35 minutes, so if you're coming and going, that's okay, you'll have time to do that, but maybe just take a break at work during your lunchtime and stream it there, and we'll focus in on the content of the scripture, the history of the scripture, and then takeaways as we close, we'll make specific applications to our lives, uh, and so keep that in mind starting March 10th. Last week we started a short series from Romans chapter 12 and verses 9 to 21. If you have your Bible, go ahead and pick it up and find that with me again. The New Testament book of Romans and uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 9. Just hold your place there. If you started with us last week, hopefully you marked your place in the Bible so you could keep up with this series as we go along. But just hold your place there for a moment. You know, one of the one of the characteristics as a result of the fall, as a result of sin, is that we make commitments and sometimes on the front end we're excited about those commitments, we're engaged in those commitments, uh, and then we tend to wane and fizzle as time goes on. Uh, It's kind of hard long-term to keep commitments sometimes. That's not how we were originally designed. That's a result of the fall. That's a result of sin because God originally designed us to be consistently long-term passionate for him, to have a, a long-term relationship with him, and we would not wane or fizzle in that commitment and that relationship. So human nature now is that we'll make commitments, sometimes grandiose commitments, uh, uh, and then we tend to go, well, I, you know, I don't know that I should have done that. that. That was such a great idea. Tony Shea, the founder and CEO of the online shoe Seller, uh, Zappos, and you may remember he passed away in a fire this past November, but he innovated some interesting business practices, uh, and one of those practices that now some other businesses have, have applied as well is an innovative practice called the offer. Just call, he just called it the offer,
1: and, and
0: what that means is when an employee was hired and trained to work at Zappos, uh, and they have been there around a week, maybe a little more than a week, the supervisor would come to him. Sometimes Shea himself would come to him or her, that employee, and offer them $1,000 to quit. Just offer them $1,000 and say, if you want to go, we'll pay you to go. Now, what's the reasoning behind that? Well, well it's this. And this is what Shay was thinking. Okay, you've been trained. You know the company. You know our commitment. You know our mission. You know who we are. You've worked for a week or maybe a little more, so you know our environment, you know our culture, you know what it's like to work here. If you find now, now you know you shouldn't be here, we're going to help you go. We're going to help you go to where you should be, because nobody should stay where they shouldn't be, and maybe you just found out, and maybe your heart's not in it. You're just not ready to do this. Your heart's not in it. You took the job on the fly. Maybe you've gotten a different job order. But for any number of reasons, in your heart of hearts, you know, I, I really shouldn't be here. Uh, Shea said, I'll help you go. I'll, help you fi- I'll give you an off-ramp and pay you $1,000 to go. Because if they stay, he knows what. They are absolutely committed to the culture, the mission, and the vision of that company. We have this problem that sometimes we make those grandiose commitments and then a little while later we say, I'm not so sure. Or maybe we make those commitments and find that our heart's just not in it and, and, and the long-term commitment, the, the more it stretches out, the more difficult it is for us to, to keep our heart in it, to keep working, serving, doing what we need to be doing. Sadly, that's true of Christians as well. Uh, it's not a question of our salvation. Just the plain truth is that sometimes we make that commitment to the church, that commitment to serve Christ. And we want to be fervent, we want to be passionate, but as time goes on, sometimes some things take away uh, uh, our strength, our energy, and, and we find other commitments get in the way. Uh, other allegiances weaken our commitment to the church or to following Christ. And, and, and we want to be fervent, we want to be passionate, but we start to fizzle, and we start to wane, and sometimes we start to fade just a bit. I'm not saying we lose our salvation, nothing like that. Uh, but if this has happened to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You you made a big commitment to start with, and when you walked down that aisle, or you got baptized, or you joined that church, you were all about it. And now, months, year, or years down the road, you think, you know, what what happened to that commitment? <laughs> What happened to that fervency? What happened to that excitement, that eagerness for serving Christ? Where did it go? This short series, we are talking about relationships. Uh, Healing hurts in our relationships and building healthy relationships as well. Two very important things to focus on before... We come back together as a church. And I believe as we're in person now, that's wonderful, but, but there's going to be that day when those precautions have gone away and we're able to be back where we where we were before in our attendance and our fellowship and our participation looking toward a new future that God has for us. But what if in the meantime we wound or damage our relationships? What if in the meantime we get so distant and far away that we have a hard time coming back together and the people that we knew so well before the suspension of services and before everything was online, now we have a hard time talking with them or communicating with them at all. We don't want that to happen. And and the Bible teaches that the body of Christ, our relationships should be strong no matter what's happening in the culture. Our relationships uh, should uh, persevere despite and no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, what's going on around us. So when we come back together, We should be stronger, not weaker, as believers in Christ. So in this message series, we're talking about uh, practices that heal our hurts and build healthy relationships before we come back together. And we've seen in Romans chapter 12, Paul lists 13 imperatives. They are ethical imperatives and character traits that all believers are expected to practice. They're, They're phrased in verb tenses that mean you start this character trait, you start this practice... And then you continue to do it. You don't do it for a while and then stop. You continue to do this, to carry out this character trait, this practice in your life as believers. So what does that have to do with, with fervency? What does that have to do with, with practicing your faith with excitement or eagerness about and that, that passion? for? Well, in our relationships, think about this when people start to wax and wane and fade in their commitment to Christ or to the church, they tend to take other people with them. And when they tend to wax or wane or fade, and they get committed to things outside of the world and, and out in the world, and our allegiance has become divided, you know what happens? We start complaining about what's happening in the church or, or complaining about uh, leadership in the church instead of, instead of being passionate and, and helping and serving and Coming alongside, And on the other side of that is, when we remain fervent and passionate in our faith, when we, we stay ignited for Christ, that's contagious. And people are drawn to that. It does impact our relationships in a variety of ways. Not only how we treat one another, but also how we motivate one another to do the things of God and participate in the great work of God and how we help one another through very, very difficult times and difficult months as we've been through and as we're going through So it does matter. So this morning we're going to look into Romans chapter 12 again and we're going to key in on this basic truth about our relationships. God calls all believers to practice diligent service to Christ. God calls all believers to practice diligent service to Christ. Look there with me in Romans chapter 12. Two verses this morning, Romans 12 verses 11 and 12. Romans 12 verses 11 and 12. Look there with me as I read this. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. God calls us to practice diligence. To practice diligence in our service to Christ and in the church. And what does that mean? Let's go back. Let's unpack it this morning. Let's see what it means to practice diligence and how that impacts our relationships. First, I want you to see with me the character of diligence, the character of diligence. Remember, these are imperatives. These are commands. These are choices you make. Uh, You decide whether to be diligent in your faith and in your practices and your service to Christ, and you decide not to be. These are imperatives. They, They are choices. Well, first, let's understand what we mean by diligence. Diligence Uh, is very simply eagerness to finish. It's eagerness to finish. It's not an emotion, although it can be driven by emotions and it can uh, cultivate emotions. But diligence is the eagerness to finish. Uh, When you enroll in a class, it's the eagerness to finish that class even if things get difficult and hard. When you're in a relationship, it's, it's the eagerness to make sure that relationship lasts a lifetime even when it's difficult or it's hard. It's the eagerness to finish, to accomplish what you set out to do. So here the Apostle Paul says there is a character to that diligence. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul in his teaching typically, very, very frequently, gives us a negative and a positive. He says, here's what you don't do, and here's what you do. Uh, You take this away and you replace it with something else. So this is what he says. He says, do not lack diligence in your zeal. That's the negative. Do not lack diligence in your zeal. Do not lack eagerness to finish in your zeal to serve Christ. Because sometimes we get zealous, that is, excited and passionate, but we don't have diligence in it. The phrase translated, do not lack diligence, can very literally be, be, do not be lagging behind. And it comes from a term that means slothful or lazy. I mean that's what Paul's saying, don't be lazy, be diligent. And and don't try to just draw on your emotions and your and your passion. You need to be decisively intentionally diligent for the long haul for Christ. Don't lack diligence in your zeal. Diligence is significant. Diligence is important. Notice he doesn't say be as busy as you can. This is not a call to be busier, just to add stuff to your plate. It's not a call to to ramp up more stuff in your life. It's a call to focus and be diligent, passionate, eager to accomplish what God has given you to accomplish, even if it's one thing at a time. But what God's given us all to accomplish is our walk with Christ. To be faithful to Christ requires diligence. It requires a desire to accomplish our service to Him. And that's what he's calling us to do, to accomplish that service to him. Then he says, now now here's, here's the positive to that. Don't lack in your diligence, but be fervent in spirit. Now clearly he's talking about believers in Christ because he's talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit impacts your human spirit. Believers in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit informs your human spirit and gives you fervency. Paul says. He gives you passion. He gives you excitement. The term translated fervent is a great term. It means boiling over or ignited on fire. Yeah, that's what he means. You should, your fervency, your diligence uh, for serving Christ should be characterized by being on fire, boiling over for Christ. The Holy Spirit is the flame under the pot You're the water in the pot, and and he brings you to a boiling point, and you boil right over the edges of that pot. And your excitement and your diligence to serve Christ, that's contagious. People see that. They say, I want to be like that. I want to have that kind of passion, that kind of fervency for Christ. You know, in the Bible, one person in the New Testament is characterized with this exact same phrase. Acts chapter 18, there's a man named Apollos who we are told is fervent in spirit, fervent in spirit. And when we meet Apollos, we find out that he is a great preacher, an excellent communicator. He is on fire for God, and he is preaching to the crowds, and they love to hear him. In our day and time, we would say he has charisma. He's a great speaker and a great teacher for God. The only problem is, as seasoned believers listen to Apollos, like Priscilla and Aquila, whom we also meet in Acts, they listen to him and they think, you know what? This guy is just incredibly on fire. He is boiling over. He is fervent in the spirit. The Holy Spirit's got a hold of him. But we need to talk to him just a little bit about his doctrine. Not everything quite lines up. So when he finishes speaking, they don't interrupt him, but when he finishes speaking, he's got most everything right. They pull him aside and say, let's have a chat. Kindly, lovingly, they dial him down just a bit. here's some things you're going to want to address. And then you know what they do? They launch him again. They just get him out there again. Let him go. That kind of fervency. That's what we need. Think about this for a minute. Are believers around you now and then saying, let's dial this down before you relaunch? Are they dialing you down or are they trying to wake you up? Our problem in the church is most believers fell asleep a long time ago, fizzled, waned, and faded in our commitment to Christ. Was there a time when you say, my life was like that, my my, my service to Christ, it was like that. I was fervent. I was excited. What happened to that? What happened to that? Well, Paul helps us understand as now we go to practices How to practice diligence. How to to find that fervency again and and be eager to finish again. So look with me here. Four practices of diligence in in our lives. The first one, Paul says, is serve the Lord. Now that sounds kind of self-evident, doesn't it? Serve the Lord. Why, Why does he have to say that? Well, here's why. Because sometimes Christians forget that they are serving the Lord even if they're passionate and fervent. But when we wax and wane, when we tend to fade, that's especially when we forget that we are serving the Lord and not ourselves. I think if anything 2020 has brought out in the Christian church, it's revealed to us, exposed for us, just how much we are, let's be honest, believers, how much we're really about us, what we want, our agenda. But we're not alone in that, because that's been a problem since the first century. And believers have to be regularly reminded, no, you don't serve yourselves, you serve the Lord. The term translated serve the Lord means to submit fully. You are in subjection to Christ. The moment you signed on as a believer in Christ and signed on to serve Him, you signed on to serve Him only. All of your agenda, all of your plans, All of your desires fall under subjection and service to Jesus Christ. But we have to be reminded of that for another reason. We tend to divide our loyalties and alliances. And and we see this happen all the time. Believers struggle with this all the time. But I think during the pandemic, uh, we've really seen that we struggle with our alliances and our allegiances. Uh, whether it's sports, whether it's social media, whether sometimes it's family, uh, and there's a host of other things that clamor for our allegiance and clamor for our service and crowd out our service to Christ. So Paul was saying, and what we must remember is, no, first and foremost, I serve Jesus. I serve Christ. Everything else falls under that umbrella. Now, here's our question, though. That if you have found that you're Fervency has waned and fizzled just a bit. Ask yourself this. Is it because it's so divided among so many loyalties and alliances that you just you're just hustling all the time to even think about getting with Jesus? You even think about coming to worship. Even think about spending time with the Lord. You're not sure who you're serving anymore. Your agenda has crowded out His agenda and the world's agenda has crowded out your agenda. There's not enough space in there. There's not. So Paul says if you want to practice diligence, then serve the Lord. He's the one that you serve. If you have a bonfire going, what a great bonfire, it's just blazing. And you say, well, I'm going to start taking sticks out of the bonfire. And I take one stick out and I set it over there. I take another stick out. I set it over there. I take another stick out. I set it over there. You know what's going to happen to the flames that are on those sticks? You know, they're, they're going to fizzle out after a little while. And you take enough sticks out of the original fire, you know what's going to happen? That fire doesn't have fuel anymore. That's what's happening to us. That's what happens when you divide your loyalties and your allegiances. To practice diligence, serve Christ and Christ alone. And that means you get with God and you say, God, what have I permitted to crowd out my allegiance to you, my service to you, my loyalty to you. If we want to finish well and be eager for the distance and fervent for Christ for the long haul, we can't weaken that fervency by adding more and more commitments, more and more division, more and more alliances to our plate. Now, believers in Christ, what I'm about to say next, I say with all the love in my heart. Something else that's happened in 2020 as believers have become confused about their allegiance to their church. It's okay. I'm not saying it's not. It's okay. Watch other churches online. Learn from great Bible teachers. I have no problem with that. Nobody has a problem with that. I do that myself. I, I love to see other guys online. And, and if, I'm on vac- if I've been on vacation or off on a Sunday uh, this past year, Uh, Our service started at 11, Pastor Michael's preaching at 11, but I have a lot of friends that start at 10.30. You know what I'm doing from 10.30 to 11? I'm watching them. I love that. Then I send them a text or a note later and say, guys, you're you're doing great. God bless you. You're doing great. But the thing is, I serve Christ at First Baptist Church and in the fellowship of First Baptist Church. That, That allegiance cannot be divided. It doesn't mean you can't love other worship other churches. It doesn't mean you shouldn't participate occasionally especially when you're not at home or at your home church. That's okay. Just hear me. But if you don't know where your allegiance is, that, that's an issue. It's first and foremost to Jesus Christ and it's service through a body of believers. Remember that in the first century they would have had no concept of all these churches we can go to. They would never have known anything about that. So they rallied up in their fellowship. They served the Lord together. See how it impacts our relationships. God's called us to serve the Lord together. Serve the Lord together at First Baptist Church. Serve the Lord together at your home church. Serve the Lord together. Your allegiance is first to Him. So first, to practice that diligence, serve the Lord. Second Paul says, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. 2020 has stolen the hope, the joy, excuse me, the joy of so many believers. It's just sapped our strength and sapped our energy. More and more people say they're depressed and discouraged, believers included, struggling during these times, during this pandemic. And it seems as if over and over we have found our joy just stolen. The Bible says that's not unusual. You think our times are a mess? Imagine what it was like to live under Roman rule in the first century and be a Christian where you were constantly pressed to worship Caesar and call him Lord instead of calling Jesus Lord. And eventually they might kill you if you don't call Caesar, Caesar Lord. What a mess. It saps your joy when the world is in chaos and the world is a mess. So Paul says, why are you looking at the world? You can't draw joy from the world. You're not going to draw happiness. Happiness is an emotion. You're not going to draw that from the world. It fizzles and fades and strengthens and triumphs with the circumstances. The Bible doesn't call you to be happy. The Bible calls you to be joyful and to rejoice. We rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ because no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in this world, no matter the chaos, no matter the mess, our hope is still in Christ. Our hope is always the same. Our hope is in the resurrection. It's in the power of God and the great God we serve. He is our hope. Our hope is in Christ, not in this world. So if you feel that joy sapped a bit, rejoice in that hope. Look upward. That's why Paul says elsewhere in the book of Colossians, he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Remember where your hope lies. And rejoice in that. When you've got nothing to be joyful about in this world, hey, you can rejoice in this. You're saved in Christ. You have a home in heaven. God loves you. And you have a hope far beyond this. Diligence means I am eager to finish because I have a great hope, a hope in Christ, and one day I'm going to be there with Him. Practice diligence. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope persevere in affliction or as we read it be patient in affliction be patient in affliction the term literally means stand firm in affliction trial suffering persecution stand firm be patient and persevere why because you have a hope beyond this world you have a hope in heaven you have a hope in christ American Christianity, in particular, has been hardwired to think we will never have problems if we're Christians. we were taught this on television constantly. Uh, You'll never suffer affliction, trial, heartache if you're a Christian. That would have been completely foreign in the ancient world. The very first Christians knew that being a Christian would probably draw affliction, draw persecution, create problems in their lives. And so Paul says, persevere through that, stand firm through that, rally up together, share that fervency and that diligence, because you are eager to finish and to finish well. And to do that, you must persevere, be patient through this, through this persecution, this struggle, this trial, this heartache in your life. Stand firm, and God will help you do that. God will help you do that. Something, you know, something interesting about being full of the Holy Spirit, being fervent in the Spirit, as you tend to look not at your problems, you tend to look at your hope. You tend to look at what God's doing in your life, in the life of others. And people are, are rallied to that. It's contagious when you're fervent in hope and stand firm in persecution and struggle and strife. I have to tell you folks, I believe uh, that we're going to face real persecution in this nation in the days ahead. I think it's coming and it's coming fast. And I think unless believers understand that we stand firm on on Christ, we're going to have a hard time. And, you know, you want to be diligent now. Don't don't wait for something to come to hit you, a heartache, a struggle, a persecution. Don't wait for that to hit you before you decide, you know what, today I'm going to be fervent in Christ. Today I'm going to get back on fire for Christ. Now is the time you want to do that because then you're diligent, you're focusing, you're eager to finish, and you're focusing and rejoicing in the hope that you have. Then last, persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. The term means to be steadfast in the habit of prayer. Uh, if you want to be diligent to finish and you want to rally up in your relationships and build healthy relationships in Christ and the church, you don't do that by the occasional sit at the table and say grace prayer. That's not this. This is a lifestyle of prayer, a habit of praying to God, and it doesn't mean you walk around all the time chanting or voicing prayers to God. What it means is your conversation with God is your relationship with God. It's part of your habit and that fervency that you're, you're talking to him and, and he is shaping your heart and your viewpoint and he's, he's fortifying your diligence. You are persisting in prayer, a steadfast habit in your relationship with God in Jesus Christ. So that means you're praying for each other. That means you're praying for the church. You're praying for the pastors. You're praying for the leaders. You're praying for yourself. You're praying for your family. You're praying for your hope. You're praying for your joy. You're praying to be persistent. You're praying to persevere. You're praying for diligence. You're praying for eagerness. You're praying to make an impact in the life, in the time that God has given you to do that. You're steadfast in prayer. You're not just bringing to God a laundry list of the stuff you want or the stuff you need. No, you're coming to God because he's your heavenly father and you persist in that prayer life. You're steadfast in prayer. You're constant in prayer. You communicate with him and he loves on you and communicates with you. And you can get through anything doing that when you're persistent in that prayer. That empowers your fervency. Hey, if you're lacking that fervency and diligence, ask yourself, how's your prayer life? How are you doing? Show me the believer that's complaining about other believers. Show me the believer that's on social media and I'll sh- all the time griping and bitter. Show me that believer and I'll show you a believer that's not persistent in prayer. You know what? It's very hard to pray for someone and complain about them at the same time. Have you notice noticed that? And if you want to complain about someone, go to God and complain to him. He's fine with that, but you know what he's going to start doing? He's going to start talking to you about you. Funny how that works. See, that's why Jesus, one time Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. That sounds like a pretty high caliber command, doesn't it? Pray for those who persecute you. Why would I do that? I would do that. First of all, because Jesus told me to do it, and secondly, because when I go to Jesus and I start praying for the people I have a problem with and who are persecuting me because I'm a Christian, you know what he starts doing? He starts shaping my heart to be like his heart. He starts shaping my attitude to be like his attitude. You know what God can do? What God will do when you're persistent in prayer and you're praying for other people and you're praying for healthy relationships in the body of Christ, God starts showing you how much he loves that other person. That's what God does. Very hard to pray for someone and complain about someone at the same time. It's very hard to pray about a relationship and be unwilling to forgive someone at the same time. It's very hard to pray for someone and to be persistent in praying for someone and to keep those hurts bottled up at the same time. Be persistent Build a steadfast habit of prayer. And here's what God will do. God will make you more diligent, eager to finish in your walk with Christ. And he'll heal those hurting relationships. And he'll help you build healthy relationships as well. Last fall, uh, two high school football players from Texas um, went viral in a video someone shot of them. And and here's what happened. The, The first football player... Uh, a man named Gage, a young man named Gage, after the game was over and Gage's team from uh, West Mesquite High School uh, had defeated the other team, Gage went and found a player on the other team, a young man named Tyler. And he pulled him over, and here they are, two different jerseys. Gage's team had just defeated Tyler's team. Did he bring him over to gloat? Did he bring him over to make fun of him? No. He wrapped him up and he prayed with him. Why? Because Gage knew that Tyler's mother was battling cancer. And the video of them rallied up and praying went viral on the internet. Because it's pretty hard to pray with somebody and pray for somebody and see them as the enemy. Isn't it? And what if the world saw believers in Christ rally up that way? What if we saw our relationship so much stronger coming in in 2021 because we had served, we had decided together we would serve the Lord. We decided together we would persevere in affliction. We decided to rejoice and hope together, and we decided we were going to persist in prayer for each other, for our community, and for the world. What an impact that would make. As we prepare to close in prayer, I want to ask you, believers in Christ, I want to ask you, has that passion for Christ waned, fizzled a bit? Has it faded some since you first made that commitment? And maybe it wasn't until this morning that you realized that God's been showing you that, but you didn't really know why or or what to do about it. Maybe it wasn't until this morning you even realized that it happened. So for believers in Christ, first I want I want to pray with you. Pray with us that God would reignite that fervency and he would instill in us that diligence to finish well. To be on fire for him. To hone down our alliances and loyalties to where it starts with this, I serve Christ and Christ alone. And I'm not going to let anything crowd that out. I, I serve Christ. I want to pray for us in just a moment for that. And, and for you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to pray with you about that this morning as well. Maybe today is the day you realize you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to have hope that you've never had before, to have purpose in your life that you've never had before. I want to pray with you in just a moment. A very simple prayer, I'll invite you to pray with me to trust Christ as your Lord and your Savior and to follow Christ starting today. First, believers, I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, bow your heads and close your eyes. You at home, do the same thing. Maybe you're sitting in your living room, sitting at the table, sitting around with your family. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask those in house and you at home to do the same thing right now. Nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to do something. If this message spoke to you because you realized that that fire for Christ has visited and you want to say, God, forgive me for that. God, fill me with your spirit. God, make me a servant of yours again. Help me, God, to be on fire for you again. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Be honest. Just raise your hand up where you are here in house and you at home. Raise your hand up right there. You're, it's not for me. It's for God. You're letting him. Go. Thank you so much. Put your hands down. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come together as followers of Christ this morning. We come together as your people this morning, God. So thankful for your grace. Thankful, God, that you never give up on us. Thankful, Father, that you never let go of us. Thankful, Father, that even when we fail you, even when we fizzle in our commitment, God, you're always there calling us back. And, Father, for the believers this morning, especially those here in house and at home, we've raised our hands, God, in confession that our Our fervency, our passion has fizzled, God, and we want to come back to that. God, we ask first you would forgive us for that. We ask first, God, you would forgive us for letting our loyalties be divided, our allegiances get crowded. And God, today we come back to say simply this, we serve Jesus Christ. We serve Jesus Christ. Wherever we are in whatever church we are, God, we serve Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that you forgive us for letting that that fire fizzle. And God, we ask you would fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit, that he would empower us, he would invigorate us, he would excite us, he would make us eager again to be diligent to finish and to finish well our service to you. Father, I pray for all of us, God, that you would reignite that fire in us today. Father, for those who would make that have that prayer, Father. Pray that prayer. We also make that commitment, God. We make the commitment to change whatever happens we need to change, uh, to get out of our lives, whatever uh, crowds in and and extinguishes that fire. God, we, we make a commitment, a fresh commitment to following Christ today, to serving Jesus, our Lord. And Father, maybe there's some in this room and at home, but just one that's never trusted Christ as their Savior. Today, God, I pray, they would pray this prayer with me. Put all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. Receive Him as their Savior. Be forgiven of their sins today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. I can't change myself. Jesus, I believe You died on the cross for me. And Jesus, I believe You're alive today, raised from the grave. So Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a home in heaven. Jesus, I repent of my past. I repent of my sin. And I commit today to following Christ. Set me on fire to follow Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. Father, for all of us, I pray, God, that we would have a fresh, renewed fervency for Jesus Christ today. I pray you would heal hurting relationships. Make us all contagious, God, for following Christ. Help us to set aside the old hurts and give the old wounds. God, that we might rally together to follow and serve Jesus Christ wholeheartedly without reservation in these days of days. God, I thank you for those who made fresh commitments today. Thank you for those who made first-time commitments. May we follow through with those commitments, God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.